People think you can't control your autonomic nervous system, your breathing and your heart rate, but by slowing down your breathing, you slow down your heart rate. But by putting a comma after you breathe in and then you take a pause and then you exhale, and this is the biggest pause because you've let all your air out, you don't immediately exhale. They found that this is a good place to reset your breath. You have nothing right there and you stay with that uh, nothing. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. So, Annie, welcome back to the podcast. This is your third time on here. Thank you. I wish I were there, but this is second best. Yeah, it's uh, it's just starting to heat up here, and you're starting to get pretty cold uh, by the sounds of it. But one of the things that's uh, that's happening is you've, you're coming over here, well, coming to Noosa for our Noosa camp in May, which will be awesome. And, and you said it's your first time visiting Noosa. Yeah, I'm excited to go to Noosa. I've always wanted to go there. And the closest I've been is a friend of mine is from Noosa and makes yogurt here called Noosa. So that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that I've had, the only Noosa experience I've had. Well, that, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's just such a good spot for swimming. So I'm sure you'll you'll enjoy it. And uh, one of the, the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast today was just to see what you've been working on and researching because I think you're you're probably the coach who... I know that looks into looks into things and loves to look back at the history and where things come from. And um, there's been a couple of things lately where you've sort of you've found the origin of some of the typical cues or the phrases that coaches have used across the years, and it's given you a much better understanding of why some people or, or why we use the cues that we do. Uh, but a lot of the times, it's not actually helping the the swimmer. So, what was what have been some of the recent ones that you've sort of come across? So looking at some of the etymology of swimming, um, the first one that came I came across was lie down, look flat, swim downhill. You have to press down to lift your legs. And I had somebody come in the flume at CU and they wanted me to teach uh, Navy SEAL swimming. And I said, no, I don't know how to do that. And he said, watch these videos. And I said, are you trying to be a Navy SEAL? And he said, no, I am a finalist to be on a reality TV show um, to pretend I'm a Navy SEAL. So I need to learn their swimming style. And Navy SEALs are in the water for hours upon hours and they're trying not to get shot. They're trying not to be seen. So they really want to be low in the water. Most of the people that I work with, the athletes are either open water swimmers or triathletes, and they want the fastest, easiest, not the hardest. So with water being 800 times denser than air, the lower you are in the water, the harder it is. And I was so happy to hear some of this Navy SEAL stuff because I had heard coaches say swim downhill, and I thought it was to denote ease, but it's actually from Navy SEALs. And when I watched the videos and the Navy SEAL said, You've got to press down to lift your legs. And I wanted to say to him, no, my legs are connected with my core. So if I want to lift my legs, it doesn't matter where my chest is. But I've always said, stretch your chest. It is a press, but it's also a chest, like a proud superhero chest. When you do that, 
it actually lifts your shoulders higher and makes sighting easier. Um, the other one recently I've come across is from Red Cross, and they taught people to cup their hands, which you lose surface area. And now the research has come out. You want 10 degrees between your fingers. So you're moving more water and you're not using energy to cup. They also teach breathe back into the pocket because they thought it was a safe place for people to breathe, not getting water in their mouth. But what it does is it either causes people's arm to rise. So they're in their shoulder or they spread their legs and their arm goes to the side and their legs spread. So looking back is not where you want to be breathing. You want to be breathing in the front part of your stroke. And we talked earlier before we were on air about how um, sometimes anything will work. And I've had some athletes do Oceanside. And I, that I will sometimes teach them to breathe back because when you're trying to catch a wave coming in, you need to look back to see, to practice the timing. And to me, that always seems like a given growing up in Florida, but working with a lot of people in Colorado, they've never been in the surf. They've never been in the waves. So, you know, that's the only time I will teach that. The other um, misnomer is from total immersion, the lie on your side to look up and press down. And to me, he got people to relax, but it's hard on your shoulder to press down. It also sometimes with people I had worked with creates almost the vertigo when they breathe and go look all the way up to the ceiling and come back down. Then they get out in a triathlon and they're like, oh my God, I'm so dizzy. And I'm like, look at your eye pattern. It's going way up and then way down. So there's benefits to it. He does get people to relax, um, but there's different ways. And looking at where some of these phrases have come from going, wait, it's time for us and me to put our stuff out there because seeing where some of these phrases come from, swimming is just science. Like Doc Councilman said, used to say, press the T in the science of swimming. And that's true, but it's actually a press and a stretch so that your your heart is kind of forward. It lifts your it lifts your shoulders out of the water and then it engages your core. Like if a boxer is gonna punch you, if they punch straight out, it's just shoulder. But if you punch forward and down, and lift that opposite leg, you're engaging your core. So there's so many sports that have similarities and so many sports, it does come down to your hips. That's where it comes down to your lab, your abs. I've seen a lot of people, um, when they put on a buoy, they swim like they've had, or core shorts, they swim like they've had an epidural from the waist down. And to me, I think, wait, that's where your power is. The reason I like um, my buoy is you have to squeeze it to navel swivel to get your hips out of the way. And you have to incorporate the, I always call it surf paddling and salsa dancing, but you have to start engaging that salsa. And with a lot of triathletes, um, mostly men, they're tight in their psoas, hip flexors, lower lumbar, and sacroiliac. So just recently teaching people how to relax that, I've had people pull with their ankles crossed just to get the relief 
in their sacroiliac, their lower lumbar, and even start to move their hips out of the way. And it's even like Mike Bottom, the coach of Michigan, when he used to explain hip drive, I don't think people knew it's like golf. So much of your power, even with your catch, comes from your hips. It's not just reaching forward. It's that hip hike of the opposite hip and that navel swivel to get that hip out of the way to get more length in the back. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that like when people send in their videos for me to analyze, oftentimes I have to start with just that core connection or, or getting the core involved. And we see like their inner thighs and their knees sometimes can be very far apart and yeah. and getting that, that connection to or that core um, to be used, it's not going to happen when the knees are that far apart. So what do you like to use? You mentioned you get them to put a pool boy in and to cross their ankles as one way to feel it. Yeah, I also am a big fan of DMC fins, and they're Australian. They're not too long, so they don't mess up the kick timing. They're made of silicone, so they're heavy. They teach people awareness. So I will have people pull with a band and fins on to actually learn to power from their hips. And then a more advanced drill is to take the buoy out and have fins and the band to keep them almost like a tail-like mermaid or merman uh, movement to get some power from their hips. And And that's another misnomer that I've heard in the past about stop moving your hips, lie flat. And I think, no, 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 there's so much power in your hips. And it's really an easy way to gain power without a lot of effort. Yeah, exactly. It's such a small movement through the hips, but you can get so much from it. And when I was looking into it, it's called the the serape effect, which is when it's the lengthening of those muscles through the torso. And it's when those muscles contract and they shorten that you get that snapback effect. And for very little effort, you can really have a lot of output there. And you notice that when people are able to make that change from being not connected through the body or through the hips to then having that connection, uh, it makes a big, big difference. And, and you've been working with a, um, a professional triathlete guy, Sam Long, and um, working on a number of these these different things. And we were talking earlier about what some of those things were for him and those, those different uh, ways he had to think about his stroke. Do you want to talk a bit about what you've been doing with Sam? Yeah, so Sam is an amazing athlete and he's got an unbelievable engine and he hasn't really been swimming that long, but he needs to go from a 57 Ironman swim to about an easy 50 to be able to win the big ones. And with him, he's he's got a great mind-body connection. And once he feels something, he's great at clearing and letting go and not thinking about it. So With him, he was breathing way too far back. So he wasn't getting power in his catch on the opposite side in his lap. So we've been working on him lifting his chin, keeping his neck neutral, heart forward, and even little drills like having a paddle with no strap in front of your head. So you lift your chin, breathe, your head's angled like it's on a pillow, and then you put it back. Um, We've also been tying his legs together and having him cross his ankles when he pulls and then doing more of a propeller kick to even get more with his lower abs because he was not using them at all. Um, Also with his um, 
feet, he had a tendency to stabilize with his feet pointing out. And I think his feet are, I don't know what it is in Australia, but it's a size 13 US. So they were these huge things to the side that were just <laughs> stopping. So putting him in fins has just, it's not like the old school thing where they used to make us actually stand on the front of our feet, you know, to get the stretch, but it's teaching him where his toes, it's adding awareness of teaching him where his toes are pointed. It's not like he's even using the fins, but he's using it for awareness and then even a little more core power. And it seems to be helping. We've also been putting him in the flume at CU and we make small changes and he incorporates it. And then I turn the flume on faster than he can swim or the pace he wants to swim. And we can monitor when his um, stroke breaks down, like how long he can keep it up. And what he's found in the endless pool is the hardest thing for him has really been the mental aspect. Because when you're in a pool, you get to flip wall to wall, you see people. When you're in the ocean, there's beautiful sights. And it's almost like a solitary confinement. And I relate it to... Um, I relate it to, um, there's a yoga story about a dog chewing a bone and at first the dog chews it, but then he starts chewing on the inside of his cheek and he gets that yummy blood and then he gets so much more into it. So with Sam, one of the big things we started working on recently is breathing. He had never, I realized I had never taught it. Most of the sports he did, it came naturally, but he told me he's even starting to take some of the breathing stuff that we've worked on to the bike and the run. Um, for instance, we started with the word aloha because, you know, he loves Kona. Um, the word aloha, A-L-O, means presence and then ha is breath. So even that the word alone is something to focus on. And we've been trying to put more commas in his breath, meaning so the breath has really helped him just even focus on more of that because really in a sport like triathlons, it, it can be a, a moving meditation, but we've kind of lost control over our thoughts and we go to the next, uh, great thing. And I get, I don't know if you get, I get a lot of runners and they say, I just want swimming to feel like running. I don't want to be thinking. And I said, that's what I want you to do too. I want you to swim with your heart and not your head, press and lift your heart forward, slow down all the thoughts in your head by relaxing your breathing. So it's been kind of interesting how one thing then help something else that you didn't imagine it to help. Yeah, that's a real, it's an easy trap to get caught in overthinking your, your swimming. And especially when there's so much to think about and uh, like you do need to, to have some things in mind when you are changing your stroke. And what I've tried to convey at clinics now is that when I get people to do drills, think, think about it, use your thinking brain. When it comes to swimming and translating that drill into the swim, go a bit more by feel because you, you're not going to lose your timing. You're not going to be as tense and rigid. You'll be able to relax a bit more and just trying to make it have that, um, have that comparison there of your thinking brain and your feeling brain. 
Yeah. So, and he's, he's got a good body mind connection. And as an athlete, he's one of the biggest heart athletes I've ever seen. He loves it. He loves the people. He loves what he's doing. He appreciates it. And I think that in that sense, no matter what his results, he's already gotten he's already gotten it. You know, his exuberance carries over into people wanting that. Cause I think people forget to have fun. They forget to realize how lucky they are. They forget to really enjoy it. And to really realize today I watched him, I made him watch kind of a religious video on uh, Nick Foles. And he's um, a quarterback here that had an injury. And he said, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it's easy to be happy when I won the Lombardi trophy. But to me to realize this is part of the process, what am I learning from this? How can I keep moving forward? And I find it interesting because years ago, one of my favorite books was called Red Gold, and it was a Russian um, book on training techniques. And they talked about having an alternate ego or naming yourself, you'd be the Breton Ford. And Sam already does this. He calls himself, his race name is Big Unit. That's what he calls himself. And you look through the years and Herschel Walker had multiple personalities. And he said that really helped him because if he had a bad game, he didn't lose his self-esteem. And just recently I was reading a book called Alter Ego. And they talk about the same thing, how important it is to not be your performance. And I laugh that some great athletes have known this for so long, but now all the research is coming out saying it's not who you are, you know, name yourself, um, for what your performance is. And that way, if you are retiring or if you have a bad race or a bad game, you can move on without losing your self-esteem. And, you know, there's the old adage that says you either win or you learn. And when you look back, and I'd be interesting to see with you, sometimes your best races are your worst performances because you learn the most either about yourself or how to coach somebody because you would think um, you never would have this. I um, There's a woman here that used to be married to Dave Scott, Anna Scott, and she was an amazing sprinter and she did a race in a cold lake in the mountains in a wetsuit and her breathing was shallow. She actually was holding on to the kayak and she's like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm on a Scott, but you know, she had to dial it in and get over herself. And I think that happens to so many of us where we think we're our performances or our history and we need to clear an experience and realize that each experience, not only can it help you as an individual, it can help you, as a coach, or it can even help you as a person realizing your reaction is super important. There's a guy named Viktor Frankl, and he wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And he said, between the stimulus and the response, there is time and stay there and figure out your response. And I think so many of us are emotional and reactive and we react without, well, not you, because I feel like you're able to do this, but 
create your response and look at all your options. And I think it happens in open water swimming all the time where you have to go, wait a minute, this happened, but what are my options? And there's another great book out there called Mindset, where it's like, if you have a fixed mindset, you don't see, you want to have a growth mindset because there are so many options and you need to go, okay, well, what are they? You're never totally defeated in an Ironman because it's a long day and there's a next step and Mm. you don't know what's going to happen with your competitor or yourself or the weather. And so to keep having a growth mindset where you assess what's going on without a lot of emotion. So the breathing has come up a lot and I, I wanted to talk to you about that because I've been working with people. I had a somebody come in yesterday and I said, what I want you to do is go for a walk for 30 seconds and try not to think and just connect to your brain. And he's like, I can do it when I'm walking. I can do it when I'm running. I said, but swimming, I that's where I'm struggling. So we've been working on the commas, the slowing down of the breath, you know, and sometimes having it be audible cues, sometimes having it be counting, sometimes having it be a mantra that just is is soothing and relaxing. Mm. One of the things that we did in Thailand this year for our camps there was every morning session, I had the group do their TheraBand stuff to warm up. And then we do about 10 minutes of breathing exercises. And I'd always get them to finish on the final breathing was basically just trying to... uh, reduce how many breath cycles you're doing per minute. So just a long drawn out inhale, long drawn out exhale. And sometimes I get down to doing like, you know, two, three or four breaths per minute. Like that's a, that's not many breaths per minute. So it's really slowing the breathing cycle down. And what I found in the, especially in the, the technique session that we did, but also for the sessions where we were working them pretty hard, they were in a really good headspace there. I think they were able to sort of center and then coming from that, that place that you're just talking about, that's when you can really, um, I don't, you can, you can just really perform a lot better when you're, you're centered and your breathing's controlled and, and, uh, and, and you've got that in place. And so that's something that I'm going to continue to do it at camps. And I think it's so, it's so easy to just look at it and go, oh, it's just, it's just breathing. Like it's, you know, it can't, it can't really do that much for you, but in reality, like it is everything you don't, you don't breathe for, you know, two minutes and you're going to be in trouble. Breathing really is everything. And if you come back to those fundamentals, I think there's a lot that, that you can get from that. No. And, and I um, used to teach a lot of yoga and one of, and I used to run a film festival and one year the film came called doing time, doing Vipassana and a Vipassana is a silent meditation. So often when we have a thought, we attach emotion to it rather than it going by. So some of the things that I've looked into are having people even wear a snorkel in their car to a race just to slow down their breathing. Or when you scuba dive, just the sound of your own breath can be, I I like that you smile, but (laughs) it can be super relaxing because we forget that you have everything you need and your breath is everything and you can relax it. So even in a stressful situation to step back and connect to your breath and even, you know, when you're um, 
in a wave and a big wave comes and go, wait, I have my breath. I can slow. You can actually slow time down and just really compose yourself by creating that awareness. And I think that we forget, but in so many cultures and in so many um, different activities like women having a baby and Lamas, and we forget that swimming is a perfect activity to not only regulate your breath, but to slow it down. And then also realize that you can control everything by the awareness of your breath to the awareness of your thoughts by just not giving it any emotion and clearing it and going on to the next thing. Mm. Well, when uh, we had the Hawaii camp this year, one of the things that I really enjoyed was you um, You came to the pool and you've got a, a, two bags full of different things. You've got uh, these, these shells and rocks and, and all this different stuff to use as teaching tools at the camp. And I like that you think out of the box and you're always looking for new ways to for people to learn or to bring awareness to these different aspects of their stroke can you talk about some of those things that we did in hawaii like you had the rocks and you had those shells as well like what what was the purpose of each of those things yeah so people are real connected to their hands and they think their hands are important but really there's more surface area in your forearms so to engage your core and in open water, you want a deeper catch. If you're going to throw, skip a rock, they found the angle of a rock to skip the most is 20 degrees. So depending on people's mind, if they want an angle, but the rock actually makes them engage their catch a little bit lower and then set some people say early vertical form, but I don't usually say that because if people are collapsed in their chest, they end up in their traps and their shoulders rather than having their diaphragm stretched and lifted. Mm. So the rocks help lift. They help people with their catch get the depth. But then the next phase I call the power phase and it's at the shoulder and at the shoulder, you want the happy family. You want the dad, the mom, the kid all together, the shoulder, the elbow, and the wrist. So, so having that weight in your hand is almost like throwing that rock back. So then they can actually feel the weight in the rock. So it kind of teaches and heightens awareness. I think I also bought, brought some biscuit uh, sand dollars and some shells because I was having trouble teaching split tempo. I get a lot of athletes that are super runners and um, they're cyclists and they're super methodical having the same tempo through the air and the water, but it's a very different water's 800 times denser. So you can be much more deliberate underneath and faster through the air. So your tempo actually goes from slow to faster underneath and then through the air from slow to fast. So with these shells and biscuit sand dollars, you put them in your hands and it teaches that to people without them thinking because it fills up underneath and then it drains through the air. So when people are even trying to learn a gallop or to learn to not be so perfect and shoulder and trap driven um, and deltoid driven in the water, it kind of teaches it without... Um, even having to speak. And it's helped me because I've worked with people from all over the world. And sometimes language becomes a barrier. So if I can teach feel 
without saying something, once they feel it, they've got it. And they might put their own words to it, but tools like that. And, and I know sometimes people think they need, you know, a really expensive swim machine, but I'll even have people put a cable um, behind them and almost work on punching. So they get their scapula to open and they get that airspeed in the front, you know, cause of course everybody's going to work underneath, but to actually get that speed and alacrity and velocity through the air before you reset. So, um, sometimes teaching people on land, um, is a good way to do it just so, or when they're holding something, that is um, prevents them from totally thinking with their hands. So right now, when you're sitting with me, press, lift your elbows and press your index finger up and down. You can feel that in the front of your shoulder. Do you feel that in the front? Now with the third finger, press it up and down and it moves mid-shoulder. So then go to the fourth and fifth fingers and it takes it to your triceps and lats. Mm. And what's interesting is, is you'll see a lot of people that are thinkers and they've entered thumbs down index fingers traps. And they found the difference between a good pianist and a great pianist is these fourth and fifth fingers. But also neurologically, the first and second fingers are the front of your brain and we're texting and we're on the computer, but we really need to activate the fourth and fifth. So some coaches do the okay drill, but they didn't know why they were doing it. Like if you hold a golf ball and, and have these fingers just to create the awareness in them and to lift the chest. So you'll get a lot of people, even when you do this, do this with your hands where your thumbs are down and your index fingers, you can feel that in your traps and then press your chest and flatten your hands and lift your elbows. All of a sudden you can get more in your lat. Mm -hmm. So when I'm trying to teach <clears throat> lat involvement in the catch, Sometimes I'll have people hold their lat because anything tactile is good. So they swim one arm holding their lat. And then to work on body position, I'll have them put their arm behind their back so that it's, I call this Roger Bannister or breaking the chat tape. It really makes you open up through the diaphragm and swim one arm with your hand behind your back as high as you can get the other hand. And they think they can't do it, but what it does is it changes their water awareness. And that's, uh, that's where I, um, uh, it's a good place to start with so many people, especially for triathletes, because uh, one thing that I really teach now, if they're open water swimming or doing triathlon is you probably want to be looking somewhere forwards, not obviously not straight forwards, but, down at that 45 degree angle still keep the neck neutral and long but have that proud posture set the eyes slightly forwards you're going to be so much better off and one of the things you mentioned in a recent post was you've got so much better awareness around what's happening in your race in the open water when you are looking slightly forwards and it, it makes sighting easier it actually makes swimming easier because when you're stretched through the chest, it lifts the shoulders and you can almost peek one eye out without even stopping. And then your head is not pushing water either because your head's pretty high, not lifted from the neck, but from the chest. So what's been interesting to me is to monitor people in the flume and just by changing body position, people have been 11 seconds faster per hundred without 
more effort, like keeping the same effort, but by changing their body position. And that's, that to me is where I start because, you know, in open water, there are a lot of obstacles and in triathlons, pretty much everything you want to see is in front of you, unless you're doing a race where there's big surf and you're getting out and you do need to look back. But to have people breathe more forward and open their chest in the diaphragm has made a, it's made a really big difference. And it, at first it was hard because it's, it's counter to a lot of stuff that's out there, whether it's Red Cross or, you know, Navy SEALs or my coach in Des Moines said this, but then when it starts working and you present it as an option rather than a given and more of an exploratory thing, because I do think not everybody's somatotype is the same. As you get older, people get injured and sometimes they have to change how they're doing things. So, you know, you can't have it be one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's, I think that's one of the things that, uh, when I first came across the stuff that you were doing, that's one of the things that appealed to me. It's like, well, this is what's commonly taught. And, but this is actually what you're seeing at the top level with uh, a certain range of swimmers. So why are we teaching? Why are we teaching? And I'm talking about like a crossover, a crossover kick. And there's a number of other things like that that um, that I've sort of looked into and and learnt from you that I try and take on board when I'm working with someone because there's so many nuance, so many different nuances to all these different parts of the stroke, and it really depends on what they're training for. Like with a triathlete, the stroke or what you're trying to teach them can be very different than someone who's going to be swimming in the pool only. Oh, exactly. And there are people that can change it. Like one of the reasons Katie Ledecky so fun to watch is she actually changes her kick through a 1500 mm. and even watching Paltrinari this last year do so well in the pool. And, and you've seen him, he, his crossover kick is at his ankles, but it's really, he went a 149 at us nationals for the 10 K that to me is amazing. You know, so, and it, it's not classic swimming, but there are people that have been doing this for years. And that's where it's been fun to look at the history of the sport, look at the etymology, look at what works, you know, and even having people be safe in open water. I don't want them looking down and plowing through the water. I just don't think that that's, you know, how people should swim in open water. There's too many obstacles. There's, um, and even in a race, you have to be aware of the different factors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so for people who are listening, you, uh, you do a lot of coaching in Boulder and that's where where you're based. And, uh, obviously you'll be coming over to the camp in, in Maine, Australia, but for anyone who wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to, to do that? So, um, you can contact me through my website, which is um, www.eniejones.com or through Enibui, which um, has a, you can submit a question. Um, also, the business name is Catalyst Advisors. So, um, even if you just Googled my name, there's three different ways. Um, I also respond to Facebook, Instagram, any kind of social media. 
And I do answer a lot of questions because the phase I'm in right now is I want to give coaches some tools and some different ways of doing things and also athletes because a lot of people get stuck and think, well, this is as fast as I can swim and I just have to go to more practices to get my fitness better. But if they learn different ways to manipulate their body position, change their breathing, heighten their awareness, it could be a little easier and they can spend uh, time doing other stuff. So um, I'm pretty responsive as far as, you know, you don't have to subscribe. You can just ask and, you know, I'll, I'll answer questions about, hey, I have an athlete that we're stuck here. What do you think? And I think that's the beauty of a lot of the way that you teach and you present things. You don't present just the one way. There's a lot of different ways. And I know being a former teacher, educator, um, people learn in different ways and there's always a different approach to get the result you want. So sometimes you have to go through a lot of different things to where it can click with an athlete. And mm -hmm. as a coach, learning how they respond, do they need to do it? Do they need to read articles? Do they need to go, do you need to go through what every coach that they've had has said and say, well, okay, but maybe try this. And they said that because of this. So, you know, even learning with your athlete, I think is a great way to coach because um, you can't just stand on deck and say the same thing over and over again if they're not getting it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was actually, I had a podcast um, recently with a, uh, a swimmer who I did some filming with and, and she's a very high level um, surf lifesaver. And her coach was telling her, she was basically crossing over and a coach had told her again and again and again and she just didn't quite get it until she saw herself swimming and it's like that's all she needed she's a visual learner yeah and so and it doesn't take a lot i do think that that's a. I think so many people when they see themselves then they go oh i i got it now mm. yeah and uh so if you haven't got yourself an any buoy yet um, grab one of those as well because they're, if you don't know what they are, it's, uh, it's a pool boy that you developed and it's basically like two two plastic uh, cylindrical containers with a very sort of narrow uh, connector in the middle and it's really good for buoyancy and it's got this narrow gap in the middle so you can really keep their core connected. So I really I love your, your pool boy and, uh, and I recommend it to anyone who's looking to get one. And, uh, and you've had that around for quite a while. And I think it's just one of the best tools that uh, especially triathletes and open water swimmers should get. But uh, for anyone who's swimming, I just, I love to use my, my any boy when I'm at the pool. Oh, well, great. Well, thank you. So, uh, any thanks very much for being on the podcast again. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in May in sunny Queensland. Great, thanks. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.